Psalm 32. We are reading from verse 1 to 8. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sins the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones waxed away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful prayer to you whilst you may be found. Surely, the risings of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hidden place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eyes on you. Hallelujah. That's so beautiful to know. Oh, hallelujah. Isn't your heart full today? Full of thankfulness to our great and mighty God. Bless his holy name. It's good to come to Ghana at a time when you have this, uh, this theme of God's love. We worship him because of his goodness and his love toward us so undeserved. We embrace God's love as his followers in the footsteps of Jesus. Praise his name. So good to be back with you in this new facility. I remember uh, talking with your pastor about this many years ago and watching all the things that are going on here. So good to be back with you. My name is David Dury. You can call me David, but... If it helps you, you can call me Kobena. Okay. Tuesday born. I'm Tuesday born. So uh, that's my Ghanaian name. So I've claimed that for many, 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 many years and happy to do so. We are looking at Psalm 32, the theme of God's unfailing love. How precious this time in his word is together. There's a story told by Robert Coles of an older woman who had an outstanding record of service to others. She, in America, we have school buses. Our children are driven uh, from their neighborhoods to a school in a big bus. And so she drove one of those buses. And she took interest in the children and she would encourage them. She would help them with their quizzes and, and help them get better grades and celebrate their successes. You see, she, she said she wanted to help these kids make it in life. She was a good servant. She was motivated by that, but there was another motivation that really stuck in her spirit her primary motivation came because of the words of her auntie in her youth. Her auntie said, 
You have to do something that God will notice. Otherwise, you will be lost in the big shuffle on judgment day and go to hell. That got in her spirit, and she spent her entire adult life trying to do things that God would notice. She would go to church so that God would notice that she was loyal and faithful. And she served others, hoping that God would hear from them how she had been serving and helping. She spent her whole life seeking God's approval. We were just celebrating the fact that though we don't deserve it, God already loves us. If In America, if you ask people, will you go to heaven after you die? Most people will say, yes, I think so. And you say, now why do you think that you will go to heaven after you die? Oh, I've been a good person. At least I'm better than most people. Or they'll say, I've done more good than bad. But the Apostle Paul reminds us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that sin separates our relationship with our loving God. So we share in this world, in all cultures and all people, we share a common human experience. We all have sinned and we've come short of the glory of God, but we then also we try to manage our sin. We try to manage our sin. This table here and the covering represents who we are. We have sinned. And we try to cover up that sin. We do it in many ways. I know I tried to do what this lady had done. Try to do good things to cover up my sin and to gain God's approval. Anyone like that? You've tried to, to gain God's approval by doing good? You know what I'm saying. Others, we try to be religious. We try to keep the rules. We, we try to believe the right things. We try to do the right things. We come and we perform uh, sacrifices and rituals. The pastor talked about that even today. There are people out along the riverbanks trying to Deal with their sin through rituals. Deal with getting right with God through many means. Others, they have self-hatred, self-destructive behavior, self-punishment. I'm bad. And so they beat themselves in many different ways. They destroy their lives to deal with their sin. Others, they seek to numb the pain. They drink. They uh, take drugs. They involve themselves in sexual immorality. Ways to numb the pain of the sin and the wrong in our lives. Still others, they deny that God even exists. There is no God. Because if there is no God, then this sin that I do doesn't matter. We try to manage our sin. But in Psalm 32, King David teaches us that we cannot manage our sin. We must find forgiveness through God's unfailing love. David was the king of Israel, a mighty king, a man known as being after God's own heart. He was known to be close to God, but what happened later in life? You know the stories. 
Later in life, he neglected his responsibilities as king. He stayed home from battle. He went and he saw a beautiful woman, Bathsheba. He desired her and he brought, had her brought to him. And he had sexual relations with her and she became pregnant. And David, by means of having Bathsheba's husband go to the front of the battle line, had him killed to cover his sin. But God sent a prophet to be faithful to David, confronted him with his sin. And what did David do? In Psalm 51, here's his response. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. David had done wrong, but he remembered he served a God of unfailing love. When you and I do wrong, it's hard to remember that we serve a God of unfailing love. We're focused on our sin and covering our sin. But David confessed his sin, his shame, his guilt, and he found forgiveness and restoration in God's unfailing love. In Psalm 51, 13, David indicates that he made a vow that he would teach others the hard lesson that he himself had learned after he sinned. And in Psalm 32, we have one of his teachings. This is one of seven penitent psalms of David. Penitent, sorrowful, showing the sorrow he had for his sin. And so today, let's walk through the psalm and let's let God unfold some of its important messages within it. In verses 1 and 2, David proclaims the blessing of being right with this God of unfailing love. Oh, isn't it a good thing to have a clean and pure conscience? Ah, it's like walking on air. Doesn't it feel good? Amen. To have that load lifted, it's, it's, you're light, you're forgiven, you're walking in the joy of the Lord. David says, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them. And in whose spirit is no deceit. Ah, what a way to live. Lighter than air. In Ephesians, the Apostle Paul beautifully restates this theme that we cannot manage our sin, but we must find forgiveness through God's unfailing love. In verse 2 it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy made us alive in Christ, even, 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 say that word, even when we were dead in transgressions. Right there, that's helpful. 
You don't have to get right with God before you come to God. You can't. Even when we were dead in transgressions. It's Christ who made us alive. It is by grace you have been saved, verse 8, through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. Say the word gift. Let's say it again. Gift. Gift. Such a hard lesson to learn. Such a simple word. So hard. Are you like me? You feel like I have to earn? Which of you as parents, if you give a gift to your child, how would you feel when your child says, oh, thank you, Papa. What must I do to earn this gift? Does that steal the joy? You want to give a gift and your son says, oh, what must I do? He treats it like a punishment. That's what you and I do to God, isn't it? He has the gift of forgiveness, the gift of salvation. And we go, oh, thank you. What must I do to earn this gift? Because we're trying to cover our sin, our shame. But it's a gift. And David is here to teach us that, to teach us about God's unfailing love. Verses 3 and 4. David proclaims the futility of trying to hide your sin, your guilt, and shame. He says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Mm. Is this summer? When I go to Ghana, I can never tell if it's summer. It's summer all year long here to me. When I left Minnesota Thursday morning, the temperature in Celsius was minus 24. Now, if you stick your head in the freezer at your home, you can begin to feel cold. That's minus 17. Then you add down to minus 24, and that's what it's like outside. It's warmer in my freezer than it is outside. Can you imagine such a thing? So the heat of summer, we're looking at verses 3 and 4. The point here, though, is that David attempted to manage his sins, and when his eyes were focused on his sin, which he was guilty of, and it was appropriate that he looked at his sin, but as he dealt with his sin, he felt as if God's had a heavy weight on him, heavy hand. So it's a figure of speech here. He used the expression, your hand was heavy on me, to illustrate the weight of his sin. How do you get rid of that weight of sin? Now, we'll look ahead and see how he does it. David could not focus on God's unfailing love because he was focused on his guilt. 
So he had to move on. And he says in verse 5, here, David illustrates how to obtain forgiveness from this God of unfailing love. Then I acknowledged my sin. I acknowledged my sin. Say the word acknowledged. Acknowledged. That's the key. David had this heavy weight of sin upon him. Then I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover up my iniquity. You see this table here? It's as if our sin is, is under there and we're trying to cover it up. Oh, it looks so nice. It looks so nice. You see how nice this looks? That's what we try to do. We try to cover our sin. David tried to cover his sin. He said, I will confess my transgressions. And you forgive, forgive the guilt of my sin. So I did not cover up my iniquity. Ooh, that's hard to admit. But the point here is that we must acknowledge our sin before God. Stop, stop trying to cover it up and confess your sin to the Lord. Confession is a good word. Let's say that. Confess. Confess. Say it with me. Confess. What is to confess? It's pretty simple. The, the prophet Nathan came to David and said, you're the man. You have sinned. And David simply acknowledged, admitted what the prophet Nathan has said. It is true. I have sinned. That's confessing. I have sinned. 1 John 1, 9, the apostle Paul writes to believers. He writes to you and I. And he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Oh, what good news. What good news. Many times I would read that verse and I would think it's for sinners who do not know Jesus. But this is written to me. How do I get rid of that heavy weight of sin? I confess it. I don't need to come to church having sinned and then cover it up. Oh, I look so good. Do I clean up okay? Do I look? I look righteous, don't I? I'm wearing a suit. No, only God knows my heart. I need to come with a righteousness that goes throughout, and that only comes when I, I come over here, I confess, and there's a solution. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. That's where holiness comes. That's where purity comes, because it doesn't come from me. It comes from Jesus. And so I come over here, and I confess my sin, and the blood of Jesus shed on the cross covers my sin, and I receive forgiveness. I have to stop trying to cover my sin, stop trying to manage my sin. I have to come to the foot of the cross. I have to find forgiveness and cleansing only in him. And remember, it's a gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. That's a God of love, a God who knew that he could do for me what I could not do for myself. That's the God we serve. That's the God we're celebrating today.
When I was 15 years of age, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Now, prior to that time, I was very aware of my sin. Sometimes I tried to cover it, sometimes not. But I felt the weight that David talked about. God's heavy hand was on me. Even as a young person, I realized my rebellious ways, my selfish ways, the things I had done that were wrong, the attitudes. And when I was 15 years of age, I came, as an immature man, I came and I confessed my sin to the Lord and I asked for forgiveness. And I determined I was going to follow Jesus. I had some very bad theology, though. I thought, even if, even if God never accepts me, even if I go to hell, I'm going to follow Jesus. How many of you have had bad theology? I mean, oh. As humans... Every culture, every people have some way that they're trying to get right with God. Trying to, to deal with that sin, trying to deal with our shame, with our guilt. No. But God helped me. I did continue to grow. God will take us into his kingdom with bad theology. <laughs> That's why they call us baby Christians. We have spiritual poopy diapers. I mean, we just come as babies. We're born in and then he grows us. And so he grew me and introduced me to the, the powerful work of the cleansing work of the Holy Spirit. And, and I grew. I went on uh, and eventually became a pastor and still was struggling, still struggled with that insecurity of of my weakness and sin and his grace. But once I was asked to preach on the subject of the Holy Spirit, God's seal and guarantee. And one of the passages that deals with that is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. I want to read this to you. This is really helped me, changed my life. And you were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. Say that word with me, seal. The promise Holy Spirit. The promise Holy Spirit is the seal who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. I am God's possession. I am marked with a seal. Now, we've seen maybe on television or movies a letter with a seal. Have you seen that? A wax seal that covers it up so you have to break the seal to get into the letter. The only person who is to break that seal or has the authority to break the seal is the one to whom it is written. Now, in the Roman times, they would put a seal like they did on the grave of Jesus. Meaning, if you break this seal, the wrath of Rome it comes upon you. So God 
helps us here by using this same symbol. If, if you try to break the seal that's on my life, the Holy Spirit, all of God's power is against you. Well, you can't break the, you can't break this seal because the seal is God himself. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. God himself is your seal. Do you feel secure in that? Hallelujah. And he used another powerful word. Now, when you obtained this land, did you have to put down a deposit? If you didn't end up paying for this land, what happened to that deposit? Forfeit. God put a deposit on your life. What does the scripture say? What is the deposit? It's the Holy Spirit. God himself is a down payment on your life. God's not going to lose that deposit. The Holy Spirit is a deposit on your life. Oh, hallelujah. On my life? The Holy Spirit is a down payment. That's what the Bible says. God is a God of love. His love is so great, he gives himself as a down payment for your eternal security, for your eternal destiny. You have a little of heaven on earth. Through the Holy Spirit indwelling you, a deposit, a seal of protection against all evil, and a down payment of what is to come. Does God love you? If you have that kind of love, can't you then move from trying to cover your sin? Oh, you're secure. You can come over here and you can say, Lord, I have sinned. I know that you love me. I know that you're the down payment for my eternal destiny. I know I'm secure in you. I know I'm secure from outside forces. I know I'm secure from my own weakness. Ah, I can come to you. I think I've done wrong. I, I feel I'm not a good enough. I can tell God any of these things. He loves us. He loves me. He loves you. Hallelujah. So in verses 6 and 7, David reminds God's people to find their peace in God's unfailing love. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. And in verse 8, something significant happens that we don't want to miss. A complete shift happens. God promises more than forgiveness. He promises that he will guide us through life. Look at this. It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Is that David speaking to you? It's like, what just happened? How did this change? What was it? All of a sudden, God is speaking. God is speaking. In verse 8, 
He's the one, not David, that's talking to us. God not only wants to forgive our sins, he wants to be in relationship with us. He wants to guide us. He wants to walk with us. In fact, Jesus showed us this in John's gospel, chapter 14. Jesus announces that this God of unfailing love wants to come and guide us through the indwelling Holy Spirit. He says, Jesus says, I will ask the Father, he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, but it doesn't see him or know him, but you know him because he abides in you and will be with you. Amen. The apostle Paul also reinforces this in Galatians 5 verses 16 and 17, where he really gets practical. He says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. So not only do we experience forgiveness, we don't have to cover our sin. We don't have to figure out what to do with our sin. We come and we confess our sin, and we find forgiveness. We find restoration of our relationship with God. And it's a wonderful thing. But then, as this passage was just telling us, God says, I want to give you more, not only forgiveness from your past, I want to walk with you through your future, through this day, through every day. I want you to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can walk victoriously. So God provides a solution for our past and and a promise and hope for our future in very practical ways, very practical ways. And so the conclusion is we have all sinned. We've all had to deal with with our sinfulness. We've tried to cover our sin through good works, through religion, through uh, self-hatred and doubt, through drugs, alcohol, through denying God's existence, all these things. But in Psalm 32, David teaches us, don't try to hide or cover your sins. Confess your sins to this God of unfailing love and enter his rest. And then let him guide you through every day. Walk with him. Walk in the spirit. What a privilege. We have the seal, the protection of God. We have the the down payment of the Holy Spirit on life, and we have the ability to walk in relationship with him and receive his help and guidance through everything, every day. So the application for today, where are you today? Are you trying to manage or cover your sin? If you're like me, you can come to church trying to manage and cover your sin. And it's good. That's... In fact, if you're here today and and you don't know Jesus at all, you are welcome here. This is a representation of God's welcome. We don't have to get perfect before we can come to God. We just need to come to God. What's wrong is when we continue to cover and try to hide like David did until we're confronted with our sin. And then we say, yes, I admit, I confess that. And then God brings forgiveness, brings the help that we need? Or are you trying to run to God's unfailing love, to receive his forgiveness, 
and then walk in the Spirit. I trust that's the case. Don't try to manage or cover your sin. Confess them to God, our God of unfailing love, and enter his rest. Amen? Amen. Thank you.